Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, we come to it, uh, some of us distracted, some of us uh, not ready to receive it, others maybe not even sure about this word of God and what it is. Would you please deliver to us the very words of yours and uh, speak to our hearts, uh, give us deeper affection for you, maybe for some even a, a very first affection for you, and uh, deepen us in your good news of the gospel today. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. My name's Ryan. I'm the pastor here. It's great to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, thanks, Crystal, for reading the sermon text. She um, has been through the uh, members class, but she hasn't joined yet, and I promised I wouldn't embarrass her about that or make a big deal of it at all, so I'm definitely not going to do that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, All right, Matthew chapter 5. Here's the sermon summary for this section of text. A sermon summary that I like to give you at the beginning of the sermon is this. Jesus teaches that do not murder condemns our everyday angry thoughts and careless words towards each other. Jesus teaches that do not murder condemns even our everyday angry thoughts and careless words towards of others. So let's review where we are in case you haven't been around or, or forget where we exactly we are in this sermon. This is Jesus preaching what we've tagged as the Sermon on the Mount. Not we, but you know, Christianity has sort of tagged it. The reason they call it the Sermon on the Mount is really interesting. It's because he's delivering a sermon and he's on a mountainside. So we've called it the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a whole sermon, but we're just taking pieces. So let me remind you of, of where we are. He's given blessings in the beginning. And then he's talked just previously about this idea of the law. And he said, don't think that I've come to just wipe the law out. I haven't. I've come to fulfill every piece of it. And he says that, and then at the end of that section, just before he goes into this uh, text that that Crystal just read, he says in verse 20 of chapter 5, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that, of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you were there and heard that, that would have been quite surprising. The reason being is that the scribes and Pharisees are like looked at as the most religious people in the world. Just ask them and they will tell you type of deal, you know? And so for Jesus to say that if you want to even enter, you have to have a righteousness that exceeds their righteousness, you got to think, well, yeah, I, I, I don't have that. There's no chance of me having that. And so give me some help here, Jesus. Now, you might think after saying something like that, what he's going to launch into is a discussion about how to have a righteousness that is just a couple levels above the scribes and Pharisees. Maybe that's what he's going to launch into saying like, okay, theirs is like level two, I'm going to show you level, you know, ten, or something like that. That's not what Jesus does. Instead, what he does is he shows the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees as a thin little obedience veneer laying over top of an ugly, hate-filled heart. So that's what he's going to do. He's really going to expose the heart not 
come and give you, you know, four steps to living the victorious Christian life or something like that. Exposing the heart is what he's, what he's doing here. So he uses their teachings, the law, they were very familiar with it, he uses that kind of against them. And he says, here's how you're misinterpreting the law. So if you want to see the original writing where this comes from, Jesus is, is pulling this statement, do not murder, it's in Exodus 20.13 and Deuteronomy 5.17. You shall not murder. So what Jesus is going to do is use that and explain to them how they don't see it rightly. Now, it's, it's important to know that Jesus is not correcting the law. In other words, he's not changing the law. He's changing a misinterpretation of the law. Neither is he adding to the law. He's just correcting a misinterpretation misinter- of the law. So he's going to do two, three things, four things, correct, expose, apply, and warn. Uh, to make it easier to remember, just take the first letter of each of those and just remember, okay, ow. I'll, I'll be, like I said, I'll be better at this in like 10 years, okay? Just hang with me. So the first thing that Jesus does is he corrects the error. Look at verses 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said to those of old, here's the text we just Set, talked about in Exodus and Deuteronomy, you shall not murder. You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable of judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Now we make a mistake in reading this just as the scribes and Pharisees would have heard it. Because the scribes and Pharisees' religiosity stuff, it resides deep in most of our hearts as well. And so we're going to have a tendency here to hear Jesus saying, all right, guys, listen, here's the type of anger that I want you to stay away from. Here's the kind of okay anger. Here's the kind of okay things to say when you're angry. And here's the kind of things that aren't okay. That is not what he's doing at all. He is correcting that exact type of thinking. And so you might read, I read some things from really smart people, but it says, you know, they say like, oh, well, when he says, you know, uh, you fool, that's, that's a really extreme character assassination or something, you know. And, and they try to, try to make it limited. That's not what Jesus is doing. He's showing the expansiveness of the command. Do not murder includes all the stuff that you and I think, and all the anger in our hearts, and all the terrible words that come to our mind. It includes all of that. And so he's, he's correcting this sort of thinking. Go back to the sermon summary. Jesus teaches that do not murder condemns what? Only homicide done in a... No. Do not murder condemns every angry thought and careless word towards others. So Jesus is not coming in as a moral teacher. He doesn't come to earth and say, all right, let me tell you the good types of anger and the bad types of anger. He comes with the message, repent and believe. And if you're going to repent, it'd be good to know why you need to and what you should repent of. Insert Jesus' teaching on anger. Let me tell you what you need to repent of. Because you guys are thinking that do not murder means I've literally never just shed someone's blood. And so you're not repenting. But let me show you, it includes just 
angry, an angry heart. Let me show you that it includes words, unkind words towards another person. Now, hear my message. Repent and believe. Jesus is correcting this misinterpretation of the law. The only conclusion that is allowed from this is, I'm guilty. That's the only conclusion from what Jesus is teaching us. Correcting a misinterpretation of the law. Secondly, Jesus exposes the heart. Verse 22. I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, I I need to take a quick survey to make sure that we're actually... I, I don't want to waste my time here if you guys don't deal with this sort of thing. So maybe what would be helpful is if, if you in the last week have maybe gotten angry or uttered a word that maybe wasn't great or maybe just thought a word that wasn't great, um, just take a seat. Just have a seat and then we'll know. All those standing, we can, you know, see how righteous they are. Okay, so we're good. I can continue the sermon then. Perfect. What Jesus is describing here is not out of the ordinary circumstances. And so when he gives those terms, um, anyone who's angry with his brother, anyone who says you fool, don't think of those as rare occurrences or extreme cases. I think those are just everyday things. I think he's trying to just, just flatten everybody with the law. Because as we talked about before, the law always... Condemns, exactly. Always condemns. So that's what he's showing here with do not be angry. Angry with your brother, insult your brother, says you fool. We all experience these in different ways. Um, If you have ever driven a car, if you interact with other human beings, and certainly, good God, certainly, if you have children, you have had these thoughts. Remember, for those of you who have kids, sorry for, for those of you who don't, but uh, you'll experience this someday if God blesses you with children. Do you remember um, before you had kids and hearing about someone like getting so angry in the middle of the night at a child that they could shake them or something? You think, that is the worst person ever until it's 3 a.m. and you're there. And you're like, you know, <sighs> confession time. All right, let's, let's move on. So these are everyday examples. Let's not take this and say, oh, here's Jesus. He's making the law more specific. No, he's making it more general. So think about these with me. Have you ever been in a hurry to get to work or some important meeting or drop the kids off or whatever it is, and you get behind someone going 10 miles under the speed limit? What are the words that automatically just conjure up in your head. God bless that soul. <laughs> it's probably not. What about when a coworker talks to your boss and blames you for something that wasn't your fault? What about when your spouse completely forgets an extremely important instruction that you gave them? What about when one of your employees makes mistakes that cost the company a lot of money? Is your first thought one of compassion for them because how bad they're going to feel? 
What about when one of your kids ruins an expensive piece of furniture you just bought? These are all hypothetical, by the way. Do you think, God, thank you for the reminder that things are temporary. Praise God. What about when someone drives down your street going way too fast? Do you step out on the street? God bless you. Praying for you. Bye-bye. Is that, is that how you react? Or you're in line to get coffee in the morning, and the person in front of you wants to know like every ingredient in every single drink in the menu? What words come to your head? What kind of terms do you use to describe people on the complete opposite side of the political spectrum as you? What kind of words do you use to describe those people? Has either of these sentences ever entered your mind? You idiot, you moron. I'm not saying you ever said them. I'm saying have they ever come to your mind? If any of those are true, and many others, then we're all guilty against the commandment, do not murder. We're all breaking the law, do not murder. Now, listen, in the midst of that condemnation, don't do what all of us start to do, which is already you're thinking, oh, that's true. I do need to be kinder to that person, and I do need to be more patient. You probably do, but that's not the point here. That's not what Jesus is trying to do. He's not exposing that so that you'll go away and say, I need to work on my patience. He's exposing it so that when he brings the message, repent and believe, you'll believe in a Savior who has done it for you and know that you can't do it yourself. So don't, don't hear all those all that condemnation that I just brought upon you so kindly and graciously, and move into a plan for next week on how to do better. Not the point. Receive the condemnation and let it turn, make you turn to Jesus and repent and believe in Him. He's exposing our hearts so that we don't try to escape it, but we go to Him empty-handed. Now, if we make a resolution as we leave here today, all of us make a resolution. All right, don't get angry. I mean, half of us aren't going to make it to the first stoplight. You know what I mean? That's ridiculous. We're all guilty of this. Stop trying to escape it and accept it. So the command, do not be angry, it condemns us wherever we are, at the stoplight, in the living room, in the boardroom, on the job site, at the kids' soccer practice, whatever it is, wherever you are and these things come to your head and and, and you say these things and your heart is filled with this anger and murderous intent, there you are, guilty of the law. Do not murder. So Jesus exposes our heart. Third, he applies the law in verses 23 and 24. He kind of gives us an example for us to look at and think about when he says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then offer your gift. What Jesus is describing here, I think, is a strategy that we have when this condemnation comes upon our hearts. And one of the strategies is, I know what I can do. I can just go through a religious sort of rigmarole. I can go through some religious actions 
and God will be pleased with those, and he'll kind of forget all about my angry, evil, wicked heart. You know what I mean? Now, he's not condemning, uh, you know, religious duties and sacraments. Those are great things, but they're only as good as the thing that they point to. And so if they're pointing to a, a desperate need for sinners to be saved by grace, excellent. If it's a way for you to appease the wrath of God yourself and sort of pay for it yourself, then it's a complete waste of time. Psalm 51, 16 through 17 says this, For I will not delight in sacrifice, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. Okay, so if those things don't please you, what exactly are you looking for, God? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Just summarize that by saying, accept the condemnation of the law. Accept it. Don't turn away from it. Don't don't try to cover it up with religious things. Just accept it. It's a symbol, this offering that we bring. It's a symbol of of God's law and how we've transgressed it. It's a symbol of our brokenness by the law and our brokenness before God, proclaiming we have no ability to make ourselves right. So do you see how Jesus comes proclaiming this gospel of repentance and how important the law is in that message that he's declaring? He's not telling you, hey, Shore up a few of these issues. Let's talk about a couple. All right, anger, lust, divorce, oath, you know, retaliation. If we shore those up, man, you guys, you guys will be living the victorious Christian life. You'll be unbelievable. So let's just shore up these few little things. That's not what he's saying. He's flattening everybody. The law always condemns. And his deep love and compassion for us, he allows us to receive the law in the way it was meant to be received. You think about the words of God before he brought a flood that wiped out the entire world. Here's what he saw. Genesis 6-5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Now look at all those sort of modifiers there, you know? It's like, the wickedness of man was great on the earth. All right, just leave it there. No, no, no. Let me explain how wicked it was. Every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. There's no real way to escape that, is there? Jesus corrects this idea of the law. He exposes our hearts. He applies it. And now he's going to end with a warning in verses 25 through 26. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to the court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, what's this thing about the accuser? I think I, under, I understand the accuser to be the law 
That's another word for condemning, isn't it? To, to accuse. And so I think the, the law that he's, he's referring to just previously of do not murder, he's saying come quickly to terms with that accuser because it's accusing you right now. Do not murder is accusing you of all of your angry thoughts, all of your uh, unloving words towards other people. It's accusing you right now. Come to terms quickly with your accuser. Don't ignore it. Don't cover it up with religiosity. Don't pacify your hearts with something else. Instead, come to terms quickly. Turn to Christ. Jesus wants you to know that in the face of the command, do not murder. When you hear that command, I want you to hear these words from Jesus as well. There's blood on your pants. There's blood on your shirt. And we found your fingerprints on the murder weapon. Do not murder. There's blood on your clothes, and we found your fingerprints on the murder weapon. That's what he's saying when he delivers that message of do not murder. There's no way out. It's done. You are a murderer. I am a murderer. And then the good news of the gospel. As we hear that, he's calling us to repent of our murderous hearts, confess our guilt, and plead to him for mercy. And then, the good news of the gospel, that Jesus Christ saves all angry-hearted murderers who come to him seeking forgiveness. That's the best news you'll ever hear. If you understand, do not murder in the way that Jesus wants us to understand it. Then you'll know that he was punished as a murderer, wasn't he? He was hanging on the cross as a murderer. Why? Well, for everyday murderers like you and me. So that we can be acquitted of our crime. He was punished so that we could be acquitted. He took the punishment upon himself. And we run free. And we have life with him forever and ever. The other option, Jesus says in this warning, is that you can pay it yourself in verse 26. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So your other choice is to just go ahead and pay for the crimes yourself. Pay for every single evil thought you've had. Pay for every single careless word you've spoken. And and go ahead and pay for all of those yourself. That sounds miserable. Why would anyone desire to do that? Could you imagine the list if you were faced with it? Here's all of your angry thoughts that we've recorded. Here's all of your careless words spoken towards someone else. I would never want to see that. So take that thing and crumple it up and nail it to the cross or give it to Jesus or throw it in a fire. I don't know what you want to call it, but just claim Jesus' righteousness instead of trying to have one of your own and paying for all this breaking of the law. He died as a murderer for us in our place. So every time that we're faced with our angry hearts, we don't just say, eh, oh well. We say, thank you, Jesus, that you have saved me. I can't stop making myself angry, but you have come and you have died for my anger. So that on the day when I see you face to face, I can say, ah, 
thank you, Jesus. When God says, hey, what, do you, what sort of righteousness do you have? I can say, his, that one. I'll take that righteousness as my own. Jesus comes to save you from this sort of eternal suffering of paying the debt yourself. You'll never get out until you pay the last penny. Don't turn a deaf ear to his message today, this message of condemnation, but also good news. Don't turn a deaf ear. He doesn't turn away anyone who comes to him for mercy. So come, pleading for mercy. Pray and ask God to be so kind as to to give you forgiveness and grant you forgiveness that's yours in Christ. Whether it's your first time or your five millionth time, you know? Enjoy that forgiveness. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Lord, we're really thankful that we have these words of yours to look upon, that they're not lost, but we have them in this book, the Bible, and we get to think upon them. Um, I pray for all of us that condemnation would sink deep into our hearts, and in the midst of that, we would not try to do something with it ourselves, but instead we'd turn to you, and we'd find grace and forgiveness and love. And Romans 8.1, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus would be the best news that we've ever heard. And we would cling to you and thank you and worship you and tell our neighbors about the good news that Jesus saves sinners like us. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.